by the power of Castle Hate's goal, I am Hella Mark Harley. You know, I sang on a previous episode, and a lot of people apparently thought I'm a good singer, so I'm going to incorporate more of my beautiful angel voice into these episodes for you, because seriously, you guys can recognize talent, okay? And I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I do mean to blow my own bugle. And whatever you want to take away from that metaphor is fine with me as long as you understand that I'm going to give the people what they want. And if it's singing, I'll sing. Bet you didn't know I could hit those high notes. Actually, this is a day today where my voice is a little raspy. I think I'm getting sick. I could possibly have the vid. Sorry, Casey. Sorry we're doing this. It's but, all right. Uh, you're already sick, dude. It's, um, it's too late. You know, what are you going to do? Let's move on. Move forward. So I have just got back from a Chicago where I was with Brendan uh, at his stand-up shows, had a great time. You know, a lot of people say, you got to go to this place. You got to go to that place. You're in Texas, Oklahoma, these states that are kind of known for their food. And uh, Chicago is one of those places that's internationally known for food. And I will say, I think I had the best barbecue that I've had. Out of all the places that we go to where people say, you got to try this barbecue, it's amazing. And we have had some amazing barbecue, but I think this place, and I'm going to, I know I'm going to butcher the name. I think it's Green Street Meats in Chicago. If not, it's Green Meats. I think it's Green Street Meats. There we go. Okay, it is Green Street Meats. That place was amazing. The brisket, I was trying to pick up the brisket with like a fork. It's like falling off. They got great sauces. They had uh, great desserts. Um... I met up with my buddy Nash from RepWorks. We ate there. He got bamboozled into eating the salmon. Who orders salmon at a barbecue restaurant? Not me. Never would. I'm very conservative when it comes to stuff like that. Are you like that, Casey? Like, what Yeah, you- it's like especially if you're in like a new place, it's like get what their special thing is. Yes. Do the thing you're supposed to do at the place. Yeah, because there's nothing worse than like going to a place where they're going to serve you a big portion and it's like – I don't even want to finish this. And I'm looking at everybody else. To me, that's like one of my biggest fears. So I'm very conservative when it comes to eating stuff at a restaurant. I'm always going to order the safe stuff and get satisfied. And, you know, it it wasn't lost on anyone at the table that Nash didn't finish his salmon. Uh, Let's see. What else? We also went to this place called Gino's. Uh, Brandon was hyping up the, uh, I think it's like filet mignon sliders or something like that. But they were amazing. You know, the best sliders I've had, the best uh, French dip sandwich I've had. So I had a few occasions where I said, oh, this is the best thing of this thing that I've had. I had a just a regular cheese deep dish pizza. I've had other deep dish before, and I think it's really good. But, uh, you know, this was really satisfying to the point where, you know, you eat a couple slices and you feel like you're going to throw up. So obviously it's, it's very filling. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, we went to this place, Wormhole Coffee which is like uh, an 80s-themed coffee shop in Chicago that Nash also put us onto. The drinks were good. The decor was very interesting. They got a bunch of movie posters, you know, like Gremlins and Ghostbusters and Back to the Future. They had the ba- uh, DeLorean up on like a little loft area. So it was really decked out, really well-themed, <laughs> but also kind of – you know, it took so long to get to the drinks. It kind of makes you appreciate Starbucks because with these hipster coffee joints, it's kind of funny how the stereotype always seems to be true, right? That uh, you got these kind of baristas with asymmetrical haircuts 
who just seemed really bothered to be there. It's like, oh my God, I have to make you a drink. They kept trying to get me to like move and like yelling at us, like through masks. Like, could everybody line up to the left, please? please? And I didn't even realize they're talking to me, but it's like, you know, um, so there was like kind of a hostile energy, maybe to the, you know, the fact that all these big dudes walk in a coffee shop and, or maybe I'm just projecting that. I never know, but it could be possible. Either way, the, you know, my vanilla latte took like 25 minutes to make and you go, oh yeah, this is why people go to Starbucks because ultimately quality is not going to be that important if you never get your fucking drink. So with that being said, what's going on in the news today? We're actually doing another episode where we film it on the same day that we release it because of the schedule that I've been uh, having these last couple weeks of traveling. We'll get back to normal soon. But today I get to talk about something that just happened. Yes. And what just happened? Will Smith smacked Chris Rock at the Oscars. And I am going to put this actually under uh, one of my favorite segments. Celebrities are better than us. Uh, because apparently celebrities are better than us because Will Smith could assault a man on live TV and not get arrested. Think about if I did that. Think about if anybody else uh, who isn't an A-list celebrity did that and what the repercussions might be, uh, especially when it's televised and in front of all those people at an event where decorum uh, is of prime importance. So I thought this was such an interesting thing to break down on a multitude of levels the least of which being whether or not it's fake, because to me it's so obviously fake. Just kidding. It's so obviously real. But I've been posting. I went on a rampage. You know, if you follow me, you know I post a million stories. Uh, I posted 20 million stories for this Chris Rock thing because uh, there was just so many good memes, right? Uh, you know, they're, they're coming out of everywhere. Everybody's contributing, making both jokes and memes. And I find uh, uh, the vast majority of them hilarious and shareworthy. Now, one of the things that I posted that led me to want to make this the first angle that I attack in dissecting this, and why am I spending time on it? You know, I don't think that celebrity gossip or drama is that important, and it's not something I want to cover on the podcast, but what I do think is really interesting is the gender dynamics and the sort of... Uh, you know, discussion around masculinity and machismo and, and things that we've discussed previously, like, you know, my fight from my almost fight from last week and kind of, you know, what it means when adult men act out in these ways and whether that's a sign of toughness or standing up for your woman or emotional fragility, on the other hand. Um, you know, I think there's arguments for both, but I just wanted to get my own personal take on it before it becomes irrelevant, although I have a feeling this will be something that we remember for a very long time, <laughs> possibly, you know, the, the rest of history. Because it's it was honestly one of the most shocking things that I've ever seen on live TV. And I think anybody watching, you know, would agree. It's like, you know, and, and maybe that's why people thought it was fake, because it's like it's hard to wrap your mind around the, the idea that Will Smith would slap Chris Rock on live TV um, for such a, a, mild, a seemingly mild joke. So the first thing I want to address is, is it real because I posted a clip in slow-mo that was actually somebody going, in case you think it's fake, here's the slap in slow-mo. And I think you can see the hand connect and uh, Chris's reaction to it, right? Uh, zoomed in and at a slower speed. For whatever reason, I got a lot of people reacting to that specifically saying, um, well, you can see that he braces for it, right? You can see Chris Rock bracing for it. And therefore, you know, it's fake. 
And so <laughs> I got into it with a few people. At, at some point, I was just like, let me just co literally copy and paste, like, you know, or send you screenshots of the previous argument I've had because I'm going to say all the same things. But the idea that you, first of all, would lean in, you can see in Chris Rock's body language that he's leaning in. It looks like he's going to, uh, he, he, he anticipates Will Smith whispering something to him. That's what I took away from him. He like leans forward and he thinks Will Smith's going to say something to him um, because he's heading to, if you he wanted to yell something, obviously he would have stayed in the seat, right? So it's like, I'm going to come up and be like, hey, don't do that. Or I'm going to make a joke about you or something of that nature. And who knows? I'm not Chris Rock. I have no idea what he was anticipating, but it didn't look like he was going, let me put my chin out for you to slap. Will slaps him really fast. He didn't telegraph it at all. And if you slow down, you see that Chris only starts to move his head out of the way at the very last second, like within a millisecond, right? And to me, that's indicative of a normal human reaction, that he sees it coming and gets out of the way. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Boom. Okay, walks up. Only when he sees his arm move, you know, like, but up until that very point, and that's a millisecond that he has to respond. So I'm just of the idea that when somebody gets that close to you and raises their hand, you instinctively know that, oh, this person is going to attack me. And he moves a little bit, but still not quickly enough to move out of the way. I had a boxer in my DMs, a, a quote unquote boxer, <laughs> and his argument was sort of, I've been in more fights than you. Uh, you know, therefore, I'm an expert on people getting hit or hitting. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, this is, uh, <laughs> you know, an appeal to authority fallacy. You don't know anything about uh, you know, somebody getting slapped in this incident and, and whether it's fake or not, just based on the fact that you've had many fights. And, uh, and his solution to our disagreement was also like, well, let's fight then. I'm like, cool. <laughs> Mixed rules. <laughs> Do I get to take you down? He was like, no, you got to cut down to 170 and then box me. I'm like, sounds good, dude. That will definitely happen. Uh, but obviously, if you're in an argument with somebody and you feel the need to resort to being like, Let's box about it to solve this disagreement over what happened at the Oscars. You might be in the, in the losing category for this argument. Now, the other thing is because, you know, I think if you really dissect that, you're going to see that, yes, Chris Rock really got slapped. He wasn't anticipating it. But that's not the important thing to hone in on. Uh, there's context before and there's uh, context after that really signifies that this was real. The context before is uh, everything that Will Smith has been going through that would lead him to be in a very emotional place beforehand and also the context of Will Smith making uh, – or, or sorry, Jada Pinkett boycotting the Oscars in 2016 and Will Smith uh, – Chris Rock making jokes about that at her expense. I think the joke was – that's like me boycotting Rihanna's panties because she wasn't uh, in a movie that was nominated for an Oscar. So, you know, she wasn't invited, I guess is the logic. So why would she be going? She probably took offense to that. Um, but it was ironic because <laughs> there's clips of her saying, I don't even care what anybody says about my head. I, all I can do is laugh at this point. So she's making this big public spectacle out of everything uh, and, and putting – her baldness and her quote unquote medical condition out into the the public and saying that she doesn't care what people think about it. Um, and that could also be true because let's analyze like why he slapped or how you could get into the psychology of Will Smith smacking Chris Rock. Will Smith um, 
has been publicly emasculated by his wife for the past year because she went on her podcast and talked about having an entanglement with one of her kids' friends, I guess, like this guy, August Alsina, who's a 20-something. She went ahead and made that public and made that discussion public by going on her podcast about it, and we got to see Will Smith cry on camera. We got to see him uh, seemingly be humiliated for this guy who's an A-list movie star, somebody who represents the sort of you know, uh, prototypical black alpha male uh, for him to be uh, cocked by a younger guy. I mean, it's sort of the, the stuff of nightmares for a lot of men in that position that you would be embarrassed in that way. And I'm not sure what the exact dynamic of their relationship is or what they agreed to, but they didn't make that part public. They just made the part public where, uh, you know, he's he's getting to hear about this affair, right? So, and it wasn't just that, it was the response to it that he's the recipient of all these memes and jokes and you know that information is everywhere and uh you know you're a guy who's built your entire career over the course of decades of being the man and then in some ways it's easy to see how you would feel like that was all kind of taken away from you or undermined because of your wife's behavior and again, I don't know what's going on between them, but they did make that public information, and, and you can imagine how that might make a man feel a lot of pent-up emotions, maybe not even you know, towards other people making the memes, but maybe towards Jada, maybe towards August, maybe towards uh, you know, many different people who he feels he can't act out at like that. Now, that plays a part in what we see because he seemingly laughs at the joke at first and then goes on to see that his wife has this stink face reaction to it, right? That she sort of like rolls her eyes. And I assume that triggered something in him, that his wife isn't happy. Maybe she even said something. I don't know. But uh, maybe it it reminded him of calm. Maybe he laughed like instinctively, like, you know, like you hear the cadence of a joke and you laugh and then maybe it sinks in that this is not cool. And then you see your wife's not happy. Um, So I think with that information, you can see how if you're already emotionally on edge, just like this guy with the, the golf club or whatever, I don't know what's going on in his life for that thing to trigger him getting a golf club and trying to hit me. But obviously there was a lot that went into that moment that was beyond this situation, but that that provided the spark for it, right? So you have to assume that was just the right spark to do something super irrational because it doesn't benefit him in any way, right? And there's a lot of people saying, oh, you He's doing it for publicity. Uh, he's doing it to get attention. It's, you know, people are talking about it, blah, 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 blah. The Oscars ratings are failing and Chris Rock's tour is going to be, you know, it's selling way more tickets. And it's like, I just don't think you'd do, there's so many other ways to do that. The Oscars aren't dependent on the broadcast to survive. Will Smith's career isn't dependent on getting, you know, ex- more exposure than him winning the Oscar or being nominated for it. All these things just don't really add up as true motivations to, fake something, but you can see how how men act irrationally when they're humiliated and sort of desperately grab on to uh, things that they think could sort of get that back. And so I think in his mind, he was like reasserting, uh, you know, his, his dominance, his masculinity, whatever you want to say about that. Um, and afterwards, as another indicator that this isn't fake, you see that Chris Rock is totally flustered by it, right? Chris Rock has this emotional response to what had just happened. You can see him searching for his words. He's flustered. He says, uh, we're here to present a documentary. Uh, We're here to present an award for a document. I mean, this is a guy who talks for a living on stage every single night 
for decades. He's a man who knows the importance of linguistic precision, and he's mixing up his words. Even though it's a small thing, you can tell he's flustered. Will Smith is then yelling, "Keep your name, your wife's, keep my wife's name out of your effing mouth!" Yells it twice as loud as he can. Right? You hear that? And you hear the guy's voice? And you're like, "Oh, that dude is screaming!" And that dude is making everyone around him uncomfortable. And even though people might be laughing, I assume it's laughing out of discomfort, or maybe they assumed it was a prank too, and then they're realizing it's not. I mean. I just, you know, if you look at that and think the emotional reactions are fake or acted, I think you're vastly overestimating even the skill of Will Smith and the willingness to make other people uncomfortable uh, that that Will Smith would would uh, actually do because he's not a troll. If it was like an Andy Kaufman type thing or somebody who's a you know professional troll, sure. But I, I think it's a really interesting thing to look at, you know, as far as it's another example where I go, man. Emotional self-discipline. I don't think it's a manly thing to do, and I don't think that his wife needed to be stood up for in that instance because if she had cancer and she was bald, uh, and Chris Rock makes a joke like, hey, look, your hair's gone, and next year you'll be gone too, or something of that nature, be like, whoa, what the, you know, yeah, sure, I could totally understand you getting up and smacking a dude for being like, my wife's dead next year, her joke. But in this context, he made a comparison to a, sexy lead female in a movie that was like really popular and Demi Moore at the time was this like, you know, the sex symbol of Hollywood and she's a badass who had a shaved head. So the comparison is very flattering, even though it's a joke. It's like, if you look at really what the joke is saying, it's so mild and tepid that, you know, you know, she wanted to have an eye roll at that shirt, but she's also been on record saying it doesn't bother me when people talk about this. So, um, it just wasn't the joke that I think is worthy. You know, all, not all jokes are equal. It wasn't the joke worthy of assaulting another man on stage. And then finally, you ask yourself the question, would he have done it if it was a larger dude? Would he have done it if, if it was someone his size or who he, he thought might have fought back, uh, you know, like The Rock or somebody much larger than him or somebody, you know, an MMA fighter who's not as big as him but who could defend himself. I don't think it would, and that kind of makes it a bitch move to me and a bully move because you're attacking somebody who you're guessing won't fight back. So that's all I have to say about that. Masculine, nope. I think it would have been much more masculine to uh, – Hold it in, let the show go on, and confront him later about it if you were still angry about it. Maybe ask him to make an apology. Uh, you know, but this lashing out and then, you know, <clears throat> talking about nonviolence later, I don't know. I just, I think you got to grow up at some point and just never do stuff like that because it just shows that you're, but you know, hey, you're in pain. And I don't, I don't blame him for having a lot of those feelings. I just think that, you know, and people say, violence is ne never the answer. Sometimes it is. If people are committing violence against you or they cross certain lines, sure, I can justify that. But in this instance, I just don't think it was the right thing to do. And there's a million memes you're going to see on my page. One that I thought was amazing this morning was this one right here. Chris Rock makes joke. Will Smith smack Jada. And it's Fire Marshal Bill with the hair sticking out everywhere. Boom. Roasted. Wow, guess who's still using Kratom every time he does this podcast? He's got two thumbs and gigantic muscles. It's me. Well, I have to encourage you once again to try out Kratom if you haven't already. And if you have, 
Keep buying it because the stuff is good. And guess what? You're using it in moderation. You're firing up your brain. You're feeling really fantastic on this stuff. But not just any brand of, of Kratom. We're using Happy Hippo Kratom because that is the highest quality Kratom available on earth. I repeat, the highest quality Kratom known to man on earth. Perhaps there's other higher quality Kratom somewhere else in the solar system or universe. But if we're talking about on this planet, on this planet right here, always Happy Hippo. So I want y'all to go to happyhippo.com, happyhippoherbals.com, and use promo code THICKBOY with three C's for 20% off. And don't think that's just a one-time thing that you use 20% off. You do it every time, again and again and again for the rest of your life, okay? Enjoy. Okay, we got another Liver King meme of the week. <laughs> when, you, when you successfully troll... Uh, a million plus followers into thinking eating testicles gets you jacked and not taking copious amounts of D-ball. Boom. And this is actually a video, a short little video where he's going. <laughs> Amazing. The memes don't stop because we love the liver king. And I'm going to try to include them every single week. And we got a Mark Harley meme of the week. We got a couple of them. After the story last week, we got Nathan Christy Baird with a tweet. He also posted this on IG, but I know I could find it more easily on Twitter. It's uh, a drawing of me looking super jacked, dude. Just, uh, Benny, what kind of golf club is that, Casey? Like That appears to be a short iron, I'd say between an eight iron and a wedge. Okay. Eight iron, wedge, we don't know. We're going to have to ask him what he based it on, but obviously I'm out uh, on the green just taking this uh, golf club Bending it into a pretzel because I am so strong, I'm able to do that with ease. <clears throat> and the face I'm making isn't even exertion. It's just like, Meh. like I'm having fun. Great job with this. You guys are so creative. You came up with that really quickly, actually, after the episode dropped. Uh, good for you. And then we'll, we'll do a link right into that. This dude, Adam Mentality, who makes a lot of great memes. Let's turn the volume up on that. He took my voice and put it over the classic He-Man opening. By the power of Castle Skull, I am Hella Mark Harley. Amazing, perfect. Again, I appreciate it, guys. This kind of stuff is, is so tight. All right. You know, I wanted to jump to a, before we do this, like, we can't have nice gyms. I wanted to do a, help, I'm on steroids. Ah! And this week, we're going to be talking about HGH. Which, uh, is it a anabolic steroid? No, it's not. But it's in that general class of substances. And I've just been getting a lot of questions recently on it. And how to get it? Is it worth it? What's the cost? Uh, how should I take it? Um, it's something that I've experimented with before in the past. And I'm actually running it now. And I plan on running it um, when I do my a cruising on about 200 milligrams of testosterone in between any sort of larger cycles that I may do, which I'm doing right now. I'm cruising on 200, and I'm going to take between four to six IUs of HGH a day. Um, I'm going to talk about my experiences and answer some of the questions that people have asked me uh, about sort of how to procure it, uh, what it does to you, whether it's real or fake or worth the money, all these different things. So, First and foremost, if you're interested in getting it, you can get it off the dark web. Uh, you know, there are some, I've used various vendors to get it. Um, I've accidentally bought some fake stuff. It was like from German labs, I think. And um, like I looked it up online and some people said, 
you know, like the, the brand is like German Labs. It looks legit, but then I looked it up online and people were testing their own IGF levels, insulin-like growth factor. And that would be an indicator after you take it, those levels should spike and there was nothing happening. So obviously it's fake, right? Um, pharmaceutical grade growth hormone is super expensive and just not worth it at that point. You know, it could be like thousands of dollars a month potentially, depending on how much you use, but a kit of uh, generic blue tops, quote unquote, they're just like little bottles. A kit is um, 10 bottles that have 10 IUs of powder in them uh, that you mix with a milliliter of water or however you want to mix it. But, you know, it's 100 IUs of growth hormone are in a kit, quote unquote. The, the blue tops are generics that come from China and they're more affordable. Um, there's a debate out there on whether or not, you know, pharmaceutical grade is, is better. With some of these things, it's like, is it the substance or not? Because if it's chemically the same, I don't know how you can make an improvement on it. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's not like, oh, this is a certain kind of beef that's like, you know, leaner or, but you know, like beef isn't always beef. Is it grass fed? Is it, you know, grass finished? Is it this and that? The way it's prepared and raised and all these different things. I'm just making that analogy to be like, there's these qualitative differences depending on all these circumstances. With a chemical, it's like, is it LSD or not? You know what I mean? Is it alcohol or not? So that's why I'm always skeptical to people like brown alcohol does this to me. And then like, you know, beer does this. And it's like, well, aren't you like getting intoxicated the same exact way from the same exact chemical? So I tend to lean towards that side of things with HGH. Like, is it HGH or not? If it's HGH, then it should all be the same. It might be underdosed. That could be one thing. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't really give a shit because I'm not going to be spending thousands of dollars a month on any form of performance enhancing drug, um, you know, no matter how powerful it is. And HGH isn't known as being something that's super powerful. It's being, it's known as something that might have muscle building effects, might have hyperplasia effects. And hyperplasia is the splitting of muscle cells to make additional muscle cells. I think it's been proven that that happens in animals, but not necessarily in humans. It's just theorized too. And that gets thrown around a lot that, oh yeah, it causes hyperplasia. I don't know if it does. I don't think there's actually any concrete evidence that it builds muscle. It's possible, but to my knowledge, there hasn't been any uh, you know, serious uh, double-blind scientific studies that document an increase in lean tissue beyond water weight gain uh, you know, over time. So who knows, it's a question mark. What is well-documented is its fat loss properties, that it does shift your body into um, lipolysis at greater rates compared to, for example, um, you know, without growth hormone, you're going to be using, uh, you're going to be primarily using carbohydrates as a fuel source and ostensibly HGH causes you to start to burn more fat as your primary fuel source. Now, I have taken HGH many times between two to four units, units a day. I'm taking up to six now. Uh, I do notice fat burning effects and I do notice fullness and vascularity, okay? Um, and I know for a fact that I've taken generic stuff that's real because one of the things that happens is you get carpal tunnel because of some of this water retention. Like, yeah, your arms, like in the middle of the night, your arms, this didn't happen to me, but then like I'd wake up and my arms would be numb. And that's a supposed side. So it's like, you know, it'd be pretty random if like, oh, I just started taking growth hormone and now I'm getting carpal tunnel kind of, you know, the tingling sensations numbing uh, in my arms when I sleep. 
And uh, I would take that as a pretty solid sign as you're going to get. I didn't test my IGF-1 levels, but, you know, I did notice the cosmetic effects of growth hormone. People will often, you know, come to me saying, is this something I should do on its own? And I'm like, Ugh. I think it has a lot of synergistic properties with at least testosterone. I've had great results from 150 milligrams of test, you know, and two to four uh, IUs of HGH a day. And you can even cycle on and cycle off like during the week, like do five or six days and take a day off to make it last a little bit longer. The theory being that you, um, you know, resensitize your, uh, I believe it's the, you know, IGF-1 or insulin receptors. I forget exactly what it is, but there there is a logic behind it that you should, uh, and and perhaps it's just even your own HGH production that people say you could potentially be stunting. But I'm not too sure on the hard science of that. It's it's to my knowledge, it's more just like, you know, they theorize you should do that. I've purchased HGH anywhere the blue tops anywhere from 150 to 250 per 100 IU's. It's still relatively cheap at 250. Um, per 100 IUs, because if you're using two IUs a day, which is a dose that will cause fat loss, that's gonna last you about seven weeks and even more if you take a day off, right? Um, or you could spend that a month, right? At 150, it's easier to justify, uh, you know, maybe taking three every day and that lasts you about 100 IUs lasts a month. Um, I was gonna say, what is scientifically proven is that the fat burning benefits max out at about 1.5 IUs per injection, and that lasts about eight hours. So in theory, you could take 4.5 IUs a day and get the maximal fat burnings from, you know, taking uh, an injection of 1.5 IUs every eight hours on the dot. Um, but taking more than that at what time does not increase the fat burning effects. It may or may not have a, an effect on muscle building effects, uh, and lots of bodybuilders are known to take copious amounts of HGH. Some people theorize that HGH and insulin produce that gut that you see in bodybuilding. Um, it definitely will make you more full. Um, you know, and the theory behind HGH causing bubble gut is the idea that it makes all everything grow. <laughs> and it's possible my head has gotten bigger since using it because this is a, uh, a larger cap than I've ever worn. You know, like, and I know I got, at some point I could fit into like a seven and a quarter when I was a teenager and then seven and three eighths was like, a little big and, you know, so I don't know if that's normal growth, but like even as of like last year, I think this is like one, like an, an eighth bigger than I normally wear. So I don't know. Have you, has your hat size changed over the years? It certainly hasn't. And I was going to say, what are you wearing now? Like a 20, 21? <laughs> <laughs> seven and five eighths. So I think I had like a seven and a half before. And then I put that on like, oh, that doesn't fit, you know? And it, because like, it's kind of like these areas, like the soft areas of your head that are supposedly like would expand from that and your jaw, um, I don't know, but you do see people who supposedly abuse HGH. Like, remember David Boston? No. Okay. He was this really interesting, like, story. Um, he was this NFL player who was, like, this receiver, and he got up to, like, 260 pounds, but kept getting injured, and he was, like, super skinny, but then had these, like, kind of secretive, like, he just, like, kind of became obsessed with getting jacked, and it was, like, just became, like, monstrous. Now, obviously, he has, like, top tier amazing genetics but it like interfered with how he was playing because he kept getting injured and he was had this kind of like guru guy who was doing all these uh you know like he'd do like a nightly like iv with him and he'd be like oh no, no it's just like vitamins and minerals like they knew he was doing the iv but then, you know it's like oh interesting you're doing this nightly iv that's definitely not steroids and all of a sudden you gained like 60 pounds of muscle over the course of how many years? I don't think it was that rapid, but still like, 
he was the size of like a defensive end, you know, at like 5% body fat and just didn't work out for him. But he was also like, the tale was also interesting because he was, he became more narcissistic as he also was gaining this weight. And they, they interviewed some girls who said he would like hit on them at bars by like giving them a shirtless picture of himself. <laughs> he would just like walk up and be like, this is me. And it'd have his number on it. It'd just be like him posing shirtless. And I'm like, hey, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> Whatever works. Yeah, I just put my IG on there, you know. Hello, Mark Harley. What's up? Come get it. I was going to ask, does if, yeah. if you notice your uh, head is getting bigger, does that... Deter me? No. <laughs> no. Uh, but does it make you at all scared or trepidatious in any way? It, it doesn't. Maybe it should, but I'm just being honest that, like, if my head's getting bigger, I'm not scared. Uh, it's, it's something that... The heart enlargement, I know, like I've taken echocardiograms before and apparently I do have a somewhat enlarged heart, you know? Oh, you're, you're, uh, a, how, you're a caring guy. <laughs> Does that mean the Yeah, my heart's enlarged. It's just because I care so much. I'm basically a care bear. Now, yeah, that doesn't bother me as much like because I know some of these things can be counteracted with having a high cardiovascular capacity. So I make sure to run hills, for example, on a regular interval. My cardio is not the best it's ever been right now, but I would like to eventually get to a place where I'm like 230 pounds, right? I don't actually have a desire to like, now I am bigger and stronger than I have been, you know, in the past, but I don't want to do that endlessly. I do feel like there's a sweet spot for me around like 230, 240 pounds, at least for the foreseeable future. And after that, at some point, you got to lean up and, you know, take the stress off your heart. But in the meantime, I think a lot of bodybuilders run into issues because they're focusing all their efforts on high intensity weightlifting and do very low intensity cardio. So it's a lot of walking, a lot of stuff that like doesn't really stress their heart in the way that they should. But Greg Doucette, for example, is a big advocate of, uh, doing like he bikes every day. He does like a stationary bike type, like a Peloton or something similar. And he like races people. So he's like, like an elite like racer. And I think that's one of these elements of longevity where it's like, if you can make your heart really strong and your cardiovascular system really strong, you're probably going to avoid, in addition to like, you know, that's, that's, uh, you know, a great workout for your legs, which is also key, you know, muscle mass correlates with not having dementia and Alzheimer's in old age. I forget if we've talked about that or not, but that's one of these really interesting things that kind of sounds crazy. Like what leg muscle mass, you know, like predicts whether or not you'll have dementia, but what it really means is, are you sedentary? You know, have you lost all your leg muscle by the time that you're, you know, an octogenarian? Um, because you don't do anything and think about what that correlates with. You're probably eating crappy or you're probably um, just not taking care of yourself in general. Um, but they call Alzheimer's and dementia diabetes of the brain. So is that, have we discussed this enough? Do you get the picture with the HGH? Do you want to make your head bigger? Then take HGH now. Go to LRALabs.com. Not serious. Go to LRALabs.com if you want both post-cycle therapy, because this is important, right? People are always asking me like, you know, how do I get off of steroids? <laughs> what do I do after? You have to take Clomid, HCG, and perhaps you can switch out Clomid for Novodex, but the easy thing to do is take a double dose of Clomid, you know, uh, every day for a week and then go back to one dose for another week. That's the most simple protocol. There's, there's many available, but, you know, that'll get things started again. I'm doing that right now. Yes, my nuts are already bigger. Um, you can actually, if it's kind of crazy, you can feel it. Like <laughs> they double in size. Go if like, if you've been on cycle for a few months, um, 
you know, they don't get tiny, but you can just notice like an atrophy. You know, it's almost like a muscle being pumped or not. It's like, oh, that seems full and large. Um, and But the HCG, I think, is one of the, the, the main things that really causes it to get bigger. Okay. This is why we can't have nice. This is enough serious stuff for now, all right? Somebody said, hey, this is you. <laughs> yeah, this dude is fucking hilarious. 705 pounds, skateboard deficit, Jefferson reverse band, chain loaded, 52 card pickup deadlift. So does he have cards in his mouth? Is that, is that what's going on? That's hilarious. He's got the chains. And this is actually an impressive lift. Even though it's banded, uh, he's probably still, you know, deadlifting on a skateboard, like, or sorry, a, a Jefferson uh, deadlift, which is between your legs, at least 600 pounds. It looks tough. And the balance aspect of like digging your feet in to actually do a deadlift, that's you know, one of the hardest things and, and what you, you know, why people do like flat shoes or uh, no shoes. I really like no shoes to really feel the ground and get a stable surface. He has an incredibly unstable surface and he's still able to lift it up. So this is hilarious. I love the fact that he's doing this in his home because it's like, this is why we can have nice gyms because if you want to do some crazy shit, you do it in your own home. What's the next one here? Okay. POV, you arrive at the gym, but it's push day, and the, the door says pull. Cut to car driving through the fucking window. <laughs> it's amazing because somebody actually did that. Even though it's a joke and the guy who's posting it didn't you know, drive through the window, imagine you're on the treadmill and a car just like bolts through the fucking the, the, the glass and almost kills you. Hilarious. Glad no one got hurt. All right, we got a classic slap you in the face. People are still doing these banded things like without tying it down. It's like, what do you, what do you have under there? Clearly, there was like a chair holding it down or something that was totally insufficient. That's dangerous, though. It makes me think of this one time I went wakeboarding with my little brother, and uh, uh, he was in the boat, and I like, I fell and held on to the handle a little bit too long, and there was like this elasticity and let go because I was like really I hadn't gotten up yet so I was really trying to get up get up get up and another part of it was like I was in a speedo that I'd made into a thong because we we're like gonna make like a you know <laughs> a prank by like going by the shore and like having my ass out right ha 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 all fun and games until somebody loses an eye literally and he didn't lose an eye but the elastic thing came back in the boat he had sunglasses on luckily otherwise it could have been much worse but it like exploded the sunglasses hit him right in the eye I came up onto the boat. I'm like, oh, my God, he lost his eye. He was wailing. He had blood dripping from his face. It was like a severe injury, and he still has, like, his pupil dilated. Thanks, older brother, right? You know, <laughs> just to remind, I know it's a very dark story. I'm making light of it. I think we've come to terms with it, but it was a very, very dark day, and it just makes me think about stuff like this because, like, oh, elastic slapped in the face, but it's like if that hits you in the eye at the right angle, that's going very fast, and your eyes are very sensitive organs. So watch out. All right, what we got here? A little kitty in the backpack. Why are you taking your cat to the gym? I mean, I guess it's not the worst thing in the world, but I would never think to do that because the cat doesn't want to be there. Why don't you just leave it at home? Cats love being home or they love walking around, but do they like being in a crowded gym on the treadmill, bouncing up around as it's trying to clean itself? Probably not. So, hey, don't do that. And do we have one more? Okay, then we can go on. Two, this Bro Science Academy, I love this guy's channel, okay? Uh, and it's just going to be a screenshot here. Uh, High Intensity Health is the channel. This is a guy who's got great scientific information about many things. Uh, his, his videos are concise. They're long, but they do get a lot of information out 
in the time that they run, and he references a lot of studies. He's really good about that, and the best I can do is sort of regurgitate the main points, but the title of the video is Exercise Drops Blood Sugar and Insulin Fast and Primes Fat Burning. So what was my takeaway from this? If you have high blood sugar, uh, exercise can solve that, right? And if you have a metabolic disease of some sort, like diabetes, uh, you know, exercise is often the cure. It's as simple as that. And it goes into sort of what happens on the cellular level. And my takeaway was exercise almost makes it like your, your cells are more thirsty for glycogen, right? They prime them to be more thirsty for glycogen, more, more ready to suck that in and take sugar out of your bloodstream and into the muscle. So it primes them to do that more efficiently. And that, uh, you know, makes your, basically makes your muscles more insulin sensitive. You want insulin sensitivity, not insulin insensitivity, because when you're insulin insensitive, then insulin's being released and you need more of it to, uh, for it to, to do its job of ushering these nutrients uh, and specifically, you know, sugar, carbohydrates, et cetera, into the muscle cell in the form of glycogen. So uh, it's, it's an important thing that has a very simple answer apparently. And there were some interesting studies that he references like uh, they're doing leg extensions. You do one leg and then the other. And in like this leg, like glycogen is uploaded into the muscles after a few sets of, you know, it's like it's more primed even in the same body, which is like sort of the ultimate like test. It's like half of your body is like they were the same person, same circumstances, except one variable, which is, you know, one side did leg extensions and one didn't. And then you saw how the muscle cells reacted on a cellular level to these two different, uh, to the, the same stimulus, um, the same amount of insulin being released and what that did. So ultimately, uh, he also recommends things like, uh, you know, taking a walk after you eat um, insulin and or blood sugar levels would be peaking, I think he said 45 to 60 minutes after a meal. So like, imagine you finish your meal, and a lot of people do this anyway, let's go for a walk. Turns out that's a really good thing to do because um, rather than keeping your blood sugar high throughout the night, uh, you can load those nutrients into your muscle cells and lower your blood sugar before you go to bed with something like, you know, a short walk of 20 minutes or whatever. It's just a healthy practice that, uh, you know, will increase your health in a really simple way that actually probably feels good as well. And, um, you know, also that, uh, you know, it, it he talks about the two different things you can achieve with either doing cardio fasted or using like an intra-workout carbohydrate. Intra-workout carbohydrate would be great if you're trying to make gains, if you're trying to optimize uh, performance during a workout, have the carbs in the middle of the workout. But working out fasted does prime your body uh, for fat loss more. And I know that's kind of an age-old debate of like, does fasted cardio uh, uh, do more as far as fat loss? A lot of people will say, no, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It just matters like the caloric sort of balance at the end of the day or in the, end of the week, whatever that's going to determine fat loss. But this video seemingly makes an argument for the idea that fasted cardio does in fact prime your body. Uh, when you don't have any carbohydrates in your body immediately before you're going to burn more fat. Hello, personality portion of the podcast with an ESTB. It's at the very bottom there. Been meaning to do this. Okay. You know what? I love ESTPs. Uh, ESTPs uh, are entrepreneurs and a couple people that are close to me, 
Isaiah Miranda is an ESTP, tested and verified. And I also think Gianni is an ESTP just based on my observations of him and also how well he gets along with Isaiah. If you don't know Gianni, he's uh, the star of the Power Branch Off, what's called Ghost the, the series that you know, we have no idea no um power book ghost or something like that because it's like the story of uh, ghost son and they both get into drug leading together um awesome show by all means do i watch it no uh will i at some point yes johnny i'm really sorry but um i've historically got along really as an entp i get along really well with estps because they're very action oriented and where i tend to maybe overthink things and get in my head and want to have like a perfect plan or a perfect creation before I put it out to the world. ESTPs are very encouraging when it comes to like, let's do it, let's spring into action. Even if it's not perfect, let's make it happen and put it out. So that's like a good, you know, nudge to have. And I also, they're also really good collaborators because they encourage brainstorming and things like that. Um, and, and they're really good at like riffing with a personality type like me. So I'm going to read this. Entrepreneurs always have an impact on their immediate surroundings. The best way to spot them at a party is to look for the whirling eddy of people flitting about them as they move from group to group, laughing and entertaining with a blunt and earthly humor. Entrepreneur personalities love to be the center of attention. If an audience member is asked to come on stage, entrepreneurs volunteer or uh, volunteer a shy friend. Theory, abstract concepts, and plotting discussions about global issues and their implications don't keep entrepreneurs interested for long. So that's true. The S versus the N component of our similar personality types mean I like abstraction. I like discussing things to death. Entrepreneurs are like, dude, we don't need that. Let's just do it. And in many cases, that's helpful. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you do need to talk things out, but um, I like a little push in that direction sometimes. Entrepreneurs keep their conversations energetic with a good dose of intelligence, but they like to talk about what is, or better yet, to just go out and do it. Entrepreneurs leap before they look, fixing their mistakes as they go, rather than sitting idle, preparing contingencies and escape clauses. And I'm just going to comment on that real quick because that's one of the things like, you know, I'll use Isaiah as an example. Over the past year, he's made tremendous progress as an actor and only recently started taking acting classes. Um, I think, you know, I love the skits we do together. We often come together and it's like, all right, we're going to do, I know we're going to do a skit. Um, We don't do much planning. We maybe have a premise, but we get together and just work it out on the spot. And that's a very useful exercise for me because I've left to my own devices. I'm going to be like, no, I have to write it out and it has to be perfect. And I got to workshop the jokes and, you know, and I'm going to add steps to it to sort of like, ensure the abstract perfection that will get in the way of actually having real world quality because it's never going to come out, right? So getting together with somebody like that who's like, let's just meet up. We'll figure it out there. It can be kind of stressful when you do it at first, but then you get better at it. And getting in those reps, as they're saying, it's like go out and do it uh, leap before you look. That is one of these approaches to get better at almost anything is just get out of your head and do it and do it a thousand times. And pretty soon you're going to have a, a great skill set. So I've watched Isaiah evolve as a performer who now kind of directs and acts in his own stuff. He's doing commercials for brands that are really interesting that I've been uh, a part of the, the Magic Spoon one most recently that you can look up on his uh, YouTube channel. And, you know, it's, it's a great energy to be around uh, because they're doers and, yes, I think to be an entrepreneur, I think all types could be an entrepreneur. They're using ESTPs as the example of uh, the entrepreneur archetype because you kind of always have to be both moving and doing everything. You doesn't really stop. Your job doesn't stop. So you always have to have this high energy. 
And I like to nap more, you know what I mean? <laughs> but if you talk to a guy like Isaiah or another ESTP, there's always this discomfort with like not doing, he's like, if I don't do something today, I don't feel good. Like, I don't feel like I did, you know? So he's like, he, he, they, you know, like a shark, they kind of like, they have to be in motion at a certain speed. Is that true about sharks? I don't know. I just heard it one time. <laughs> they can't go below a certain speed, right? And let's go to some of the famous ESTPs down there. Here we go. Ernest Hemingway, Jack Nicholson, Eddie Murphy, Madonna. Who else we got? Uh, Bruce Willis, Michael J. Fox, Nicholas Sarkozy, Samuel L. Jackson, Jamie Lannister. Yep, I remember typing him because I was like, this dude's a man of action. He's like smooth. He's charming. He also loves uh, fighting and competition. That's another thing about ESTPs. They're very competitive. They turn everything into a game. Uh, Hank Schrader of Breaking Bad. That's interesting. I wouldn't have typed him as an ESTP. Um, Lincoln Bros. No idea. Seth Grayson. I remember that guy from House of Cards. And no idea who Gabriel Solis is. All right, Ant-Man, no, I, <laughs> you know, another person that I was going to say is not listed on there, but Donald Trump is supposedly an ESTP and Kanye West is an ESTP. Uh, P.T. Barnum was supposedly an ESTP. These are people who like enjoy self-promotion also to agree. Not every uh, personality type is comfortable with that kind of thing. Being like, yo, yo, I'm the best. You know, I can do this better than anyone else. <clears throat> Give me the ball. Put me in, coach. Um, but you need an element to that. And like, so everybody could obviously learn to self-promote. It's just, I think ESTPs are, are okay being like, yo, come to this thing tonight. It's going to be the best thing ever. This is going to be the best sketch ever. You know, this is going to be the greatest presidency ever. Uh, yeah, and don't have any shame about it. And, you know, again, it's a good skill to have. Sometimes if you're a narcissistic egomaniac, it can be uh, a little too much and you overpromise and under deliver. But, uh, you know, if, on the whole, ESTPs are great. I don't have anything bad to say about any personality types, right? I love them all, and you can see that with my enthusiasm. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. I did come straight from working out today, okay? I did um, do a bunch of sled pushes and pull-ups and say, do I need to grab that outfit that I had in the car ready to go, or am I going to give this to you straight, unfiltered, sweat still under my armpits, uh, mist under my cap, goes to Chicago once, becomes a Cubs fan. I'm announcing it right now, okay? I am the biggest Chicago Cubs fan in this room right now. Is that true or not, Casey? That's true. That's true. Only true statements on this show. Chicago, I love you. I'll be back. Good night.